This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. This is the last podcast of the year, episode number 21. And with it, we're looking at the last verses of Genesis chapter 1. I sure hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I did. And I think you might enjoy this episode to close out the year as well. Uh, Warning, though. I need to give you a warning. This episode of the One Verse Podcast is rated PG-13. It has content which might be inappropriate for children. How inappropriate? (laughs) Well, just look at the title of the podcast uh, episode to see. And uh, no, I'm not going into graphic detail or anything. I'm just using the word a few times, the word that's in the title. That's all. But uh, if there are kids around and you have no interest in explaining to them what that word means, you may want to listen to this podcast a little bit later on your own. However, uh, I bet you are interested in hearing what I have to say about this topic from Genesis chapter 1. So, if the kids are out of listening range, let's get started. Uh, Before I do that, though, I do want to do a few housekeeping items. Number one, I want to give a thank you to Tony Vance. He has a great podcast over at Everything According to Tony Vance. And back in November, he did a podcast which talked about one of a a blog posts I had written about the Reformation. The New Reformation has begun. And he did a podcast which talked about that article and his thoughts about it. So thank you, Tony, for doing that. I really, really appreciate it. And if you haven't subscribed to his podcast, I've got a link to his podcast in the show notes. It's uh, You can also find it on iTunes at Everything According to Tony Vance, E-A-T-V. And by the way, if you have a blog or a podcast of your own and uh, you ever talk about my podcast or one of my blog posts... On your blog or in your in your podcast, please, please, please let me know. I can't get around to everything on the internet and find out where people are interacting with me. So if that's something you have done or you are thinking of doing, send me an email, send me a Facebook message, send me a comment on the blog, uh, contact me somehow, tweet me on Twitter, I don't care. Uh, let me know and then I will mention you in the podcast or on my blog as well. I really, really appreciate it, those of you who are able to do that. A couple other things, uh, as we near the end of the year... If you want to partner with me, you can do that at redeeminggod.com slash partner. Lots of people have already done that. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Also, if you are thinking of getting Logos Bible Software, you might want to do that before the end of the year. Use my coupon code jmyer 6 over at logos.com, and that will give you 15% off your purchase. The reason I'm mentioning that is because and as of January... That discount is going down to 10% instead of to 15 So uh, take advantage of that if you've been thinking about doing that before 2016 gets here, because then it's only 10%. With all of that out of the way, let's get into our study of Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 through 31. Uh, and I want to begin by asking, what is the purpose of life? What is the chief end of mankind? If you have gone through any sort of catechism or studies or even read some books by certain prominent Christian authors recently, you might have heard that the chief end of man, according to many, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. (laughs) And, you know, frankly, if that's the case, in my opinion, to put it bluntly, 
It's no wonder that so many people want nothing to do with God, with theology, or with Christianity. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever, what does that even mean? Uh, But what if I told you that according to God Himself, our three primary tasks or purposes or responsibilities in life were to have sex, eat good food, and take care of your pets. (laughs) Now that's a little bit more appealing, isn't it? I often think that religion is so intent on making life, you know, spiritual and godly that we end up sucking the life right out of life. We give people lists of rules to obey, you know, places to go, things to do, ideas to learn, verses to memorize, and when all is said and done, there's little time or energy left to enjoy the life that God has given us to enjoy and especially not to enjoy it in the way that he has given it to us to enjoy. Following God is not about living miserable little lives here on earth while we wait for this blessed life in the future up in heaven. No, I'm convinced that following God is about enjoying life here and now with God and with each other while we're on earth. And yes, will things get better in the next life? Yes, they will. But this life is a foretaste of the great life we will experience in the next life, the life that will be even better than this one. So that's what we're talking about today in Genesis 1, 20 to 31. Uh, These verses immediately follow the creation of mankind, and uh, they contain three priorities or three responsibilities that God gives to us to perform as the pinnacle of his creation. I find it uh, very interesting that although mankind is, the creation of mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation in Genesis chapter 1, the creation of mankind doesn't conclude the creation account. It's not as if God finds, all right, I created mankind, that's it, show's over, done. No, instead, uh, as soon as God creates mankind, Adam and Eve, the humans, he gives them three activities that they are to be involved in. I've told you before, in fact, I really emphasized it in the last episode, episode 20, that the point of creation is not just to make things, but to make things that will do the activities of God, the things that God has been doing. And, you know, that's the point of theology, too. Sometimes we get so caught up in studying theology, we think that the point of theology is just to learn what the Bible says, learn certain ideas. But that is not the point of theology. The point of theology is not to learn what the Bible says, but to do something about what the Bible says. True theology is not just about what we know, but about what we do. And that's the point here in Genesis 1 as well. The point of God's creation is not just so that he could create things, but but to create things that could do something, and specifically what God has been doing. And what has God been doing? Well, the things he's been doing in Genesis chapter 1. We've talked about this a lot in previous episodes, so I don't need to emphasize it here anymore. But here in Genesis 1, 28 to 31, God has finished creating mankind, and he immediately turns to give them three responsibilities to carry out in his world. And the best thing about these responsibilities, so contrary to sometimes what we hear from religion, we think that God wants us to do things that are miserable and and horrible, and and have no joy and no life in them. But the the things that God gives humans to do, the responsibilities he wants us to carry out, are, guess what? Things we actually already enjoy doing. Uh, God doesn't want us to be miserable. Here in Genesis 1, when God gives humans our to-do list, 
He gives us a task, a list of three tasks, which we humans really, really enjoy doing. That's a good thing. So let's look at these three. The first one is mentioned in Genesis 1.28. It's the task of being fruitful and multiplying upon the face of the earth. Genesis 1.28 says this, Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. All right, so in blunt terminology, God is telling Adam and Eve to go have sex and make children. Let that sink in. This is the very first command from God to humans in the Bible. The first command, the first thing God wants humans to do, his highest priority, his top priority, the number one thing on his to-do list is to have sex and make children. (laughs) The next time someone tells you that, you know, sex is wrong or God hates sex or Christians are opposed to sex, gently remind them that the first command of God to humans in the Bible is that they have sex and create human beings. And remember, creation is one of those seven central activities of God in the Bible and in Genesis 1, obviously. So what God is doing here by inviting human beings to be fruitful and multiply is he's inviting us to participate with him in creation. That's what the act of sex and reproduction is. It is recreation, recreation, we could call it. We recreate. (laughs) It's something we enjoy doing. And this is good news, isn't it? This is good news. It's not about, you know, glorify God and enjoy Him ever. No, God says, you know what? Here's life. Go have sex. Make kids. But God's not done. Sex and reproduction, recreation, recreation is the first activity which God instructed humans to participate. A very enjoyable activity. The second activity is almost as enjoyable. For some people, it might even be more enjoyable. (laughs) Second task is uh, mentioned in Genesis 1.29, and it is the task of eating food. Genesis 1.29 says, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. So what we see here is the second activity that God gives to humans, and it is the activity of eating, eating food. God has given food to humans to enjoy. Now, this also is good news, right? Listen, when you sit down to a tasty dinner, you are doing what God has commanded you to do. Eating food is the second activity which God instructs us to do. It's also helpful, by the way, to remember that Moses is writing this polemic, uh, this theological polemic against some of the common religious beliefs and practices of his day. I've been bringing this out all the way through as we go along. I think I might have mentioned before that in some of these other religious uh, religions, the Canaanite religion, Babylonian religion, Egyptian religion, and so on, It was commonly believed and taught that mankind was created by the gods to work for the gods so that they could provide food to the gods. Uh, The common religious view at that time was that you worked as you worked your fields and gathered your food, you were doing it primarily to feed the gods. And uh, you were expected, required to give a portion, sometimes a large portion, of the food you had gathered to the gods. 
How would you do that? Well, you would take it to the temple and give it to the priests, and uh, you would give a little portion. Oftentimes, this is how the priests were fed as well, you know, because they were the servants of the gods and so on. Sort of still happens that way today. But uh, the point was, is that the food you had gathered uh, it was for the gods, and you gave it to them in the form of daily and yearly offerings. So, so food was, uh, back then, the view of food was not, it was primarily not from the gods for humans, but was from humans for the gods. And what we see here in Genesis 129 is that Moses completely reverses this. It is not humans who give food to the gods, but it is God who gives food to the humans. Again, this fits perfectly with what we saw about the image of God in man, that, uh, you know, in, in a sense, God, by creating us in his image, has placed us in the position that the other religions had their gods in. So it completely reverses it. Uh, and that's what we see here. Uh, Gordon Wenham, in his commentary on Genesis, says, God's provision of food for newly created man stands in sharp contrast to the Mesopotamian views, which held that man was created to supply the gods with food. So we see that reversal here in what Moses is writing. All right, so that's the second sort of task that God gives to humans in Genesis 1.29, that uh, he wants us to enjoy food. He created food for us to enjoy, and he instructs us to do it. And... Uh, most of us, many of us, all of us, to some degree or another, are more than happy to undertake this task that God has provided to us. So that's uh, the first two. The third task is found in Genesis 1.30, where we learn that God wants us to tend and take care of the animals. Genesis 1.30 says this, Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. So the food that we, we see here, the food that God made and provided for humanity, it's not just for us, but was also intended for the benefit of animals. And so the fact that God is giving this instruction to humans tells us that we are to make sure the animals also you know, share in our food that uh, we are to tend and take care of them and make sure they are fed and taken care of. They are under our care and protection. Uh, just as God has provided food for us, we are to do what we see God doing. He has provided food for us, and so we are to provide food for those under our, our care, for the animals. Uh, so those are the three purposes, the three goals, the three primary instructions that God gives to humans, our first and primary tasks, and they are, one, be fruitful and multiply, Genesis 1.28, eat food, Genesis 1.29, take care of the animals, Genesis 1.30. So sort of going back to how I started, I often hear pastors and Christian teachers talk about, you know, the purpose of life, or the chief end of man, our goal, our purpose, our task is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, Let's be brutally honest with ourselves. Does that sound like something exciting? Be honest. Do you really want to spend your entire life glorifying God and enjoying him forever? And not just this life, but eternity as well? What are we going to do in eternity? Oh, we are going to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's just like theologians to just suck the life out of life. Now, is it true? Of course it's true. I'm not denying the truth of it. 
But what happens is, is we hear that and glorify God and enjoy him forever, and we don't know what it means. We don't know how to do it. Uh, obviously, if we really knew God, if we knew his character, if we knew what he was like, then when we heard glorify God and enjoy him forever, we would know what that means, what that looks like, how to do that. But since most of us, most people on this earth, only know God as this sort of religious rule-keeping deity who's up in heaven just waiting for us to mess up so he can, you know, punish us or discipline us, it's sort of hard to get excited about glorifying God and enjoying him forever. So I think it's helpful for us to recognize what that means or how to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Practically, with concrete examples, how can that happen? Well, Genesis 1 begins to tell us how right from the very beginning. There's nothing in here about glorifying God and enjoying forever, but when we do what God instructs us to do, well, that is when we are glorifying God and enjoying him forever. So, so uh, what we see is that when God sets humanity loose in the world, which he has created, uh, God, he pulls the man and the woman aside and he says something like this. Now, I'm going to give you my really loose translation of the three instructions of God in Genesis 1, 28 to 30. All right, so here's God, God pulls Adam and Eve aside and says, all right, I've, I've just created you. Welcome to life. Look around. I made all this stuff for you. And since I'm in charge, I have three things I want you to do. First, I made you for each other. So enjoy each other. That's right. Be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Trust me. Wink, wink. <laughs> You'll enjoy this job. That's number one. Second, See those plants? They're quite tasty if you know how to prepare them. See the fruit on those trees? You've never tasted anything quite so delicious. When you bite into a tree-ripened peach and the juice runs down your chin, you will think you have died and gone to paradise. Except that there is no death and you're already in paradise. Anyway, just trust me. Try one of those peaches. That's the second thing I want you to do. Third, see those cute little animals over there? And some of the big ones, too. Well, guess what? They get hungry as well, just like you. So share your food with them. And believe me when I tell you that they will be very appreciative for the food you give them. As you provide for them, they will play with you, cuddle with you, and give you much joy and satisfaction in life. So enjoy them, too. They are your friends and your companions. Now, those are the three things I want you to do. I've got a few minutes. i got a 10 o'clock appointment with Michael the Archangel. He's concerned about this snake that's loose in the garden. i got to calm him down a bit, let him know I'm still in control. So before I head out there, are there any questions? No? Okay, well, go try one of those peaches. And Adam, go try that peach. <laughs> wink, wink. And with that, God heads off. So that's my loose translation of Genesis 1, 28, 30. Nothing in there about glorifying God and enjoying him forever. Instead, God pulls Adam and Eve together and says, Look, have sex. Make children. Enjoy tasty food. Play with and care for those animals. Have fun. See you later. Now, does that sound like something you would like to do in life? Of course it does. Those are the things we enjoy doing. Those are the things we were made for. Those are the things God made us for. This means that when you love your spouse, when you eat delicious food, when you take care of your pets, 
You are doing exactly what God has created and invited and intended you to do. Let that sink in. When you make children enjoy a good meal and pet your dog, you are glorifying God and worshiping God because you are doing exactly what God created you for and instructed you to do. So, is it theologically true that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever? Well, of course it is. But the practical way we actually do this is by enjoying this world which God has created. And these are truths to live by. These are truths you can preach or teach or write about, tell others, share with others. When we live by them, guess what? We actually enjoy life as well. And this is what makes God's creation very good, as we read about in Genesis 1.31. Last verse of Genesis chapter 1. The, verse, uh, the chapter ends with the statement that God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. I'm sure you, have, you know that the other days of creation end with God just seeing what he had made and calling it good. But uh, chapter 1, after the, at the end of the sixth day of creation, after God has made everything, made the pinnacle of his creation, mankind, and then told them the three things he wants them to do in life, he uses this word, very good. Again, Wenham, in his commentary, says that the Hebrew here is very emphatic. God is very enthusiastic about what he has made. So um, when it says that he, you know, he, he saw what he has made, and, and indeed it was very good, this could almost be loosely translated, wow, this is awesome, fantastic, I love it, okay? There's an enthusiasm here in what God has made. He is excited about what he has made and what he has instructed the humans to do. Why is that? Because God has told them to do what he's been doing, to carry out his work in this world. And that involves carrying on the human race, right? Recreation, recreation, reproduction. Uh, secondly, enjoying the food God has given us that he has made for us. And third, tending to the plants and animals which God has given to us for companionship, for friendship. You're not friends with plants, I guess, but uh, that's sort of implied in there, by the way, gardening. Maybe if you like gardening, that's also implied, tending to the garden. But we see a lot more of that in Genesis chapter 2, so... Uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. Here's the point, uh, and just I'll, I'll conclude with this. In other religions, uh, back then and today, sex, food, and animals are often ways of celebrating and worshiping other gods. Uh, in some religions, those three things are even viewed as gods. Uh, other in other religions, though, they view those things, maybe not animals necessarily, but, you know, sex and, and food uh, as, as something sinful, especially if you, you know, participate in them too much or in certain ways. Uh, but God, God doesn't, he, he's not saying no to these things, nor is he saying that they are gods the way other religions do. Instead, what God does is redeem them. We've seen this over and over and over again in Genesis 1. By giving the Israelites the creation account that he does in Genesis 1, God returns them, reminds them of the significance, the importance of the worshipful nature of sex, food, and animal friendships. These things, God says, were originally created by me, by God, 
to be enjoyed by humans. But some religions have perverted them and made these gifts of God into idols to be worshipped instead of God. That's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1. So now, in Genesis 1, God isn't saying don't participate in them because these have become idols, or because some people worship these, or because they have been abused. No, God redeems these gifts back to their original purpose, back to their original significance, back to the way that they can be enjoyed and participated in, in the way God intended. He reminds us in them that sex, food, and animal friendships are sacred gifts from God. And that when we enjoy life through these three gifts, we are worshiping God because we are enjoying His good gifts to us. Now, yes, it is true that we humans often go overboard with sex, food, and animals. All right? We twist and distort them when we allow them to take over, to control our lives. So, I need to say this, and I imagine some of you have been thinking this in the back of your head. Uh, I'm, I'm not inviting you to allow sex or food or animals to take over. No, when used in their proper place, with their proper context, in balance with the other things in life, then we are participating in these in the way God wanted. But look, a lot of this twisted perversion of these three things is actually the result of a backlash against religious lies which tell us we shouldn't be enjoying these things in the first place. Religion says, don't do these. But we say, yeah, but they feel so good. The food tastes so good. You know, I want to be with my cat or my dog or my horse or whatever. And so we go overboard in a response to the religious lies which told us not to participate in them. So the, the fix is not to, to, the fix is to do what God has said, to put these things in their proper place, their proper context, and enjoy them within the balance of life that God has given to us to enjoy them. And that's really sort of what the rest of the Bible tells us, how to, how to enjoy God's creation within the context, of, uh, within the balance that he has provided. Uh, far too often, religious tells us to deny the very things God has given to us for our enjoyment. So in Genesis 1, God takes the things that make life enjoyable, and he says, you want to know why those things are enjoyable? Because I made them to be enjoyable. I gave them to you for your enjoyment. So go ahead, participate, enjoy. Don't worship those things the way some religions do, for that's idolatry. But at the same time, don't deny yourself these things the way other religions do, for that's denying the good gifts which I have given to you. Sex, food, and friendships. Uh, with animals, animal friendships, are, are good gifts I've given to you. They are very good and are to be enjoyed. When you participate in, in these activities and enjoy them within the boundaries I've provided, then you're enjoying what I've given to you. And that is an act of thanksgiving and worship to me. That's the truth of Genesis 1 that we see here. When we follow God in these ways, we become fully human. We become who God wants us to be and who he created us to be. When we live as humans, we live according to the will of God for our lives. So, many of us are facing down 2016, another year ahead. Do you want to live according to the will of God this year? 
Maybe you're one of those persons who makes New Year's resolutions. Well, let me give you some possible New Year's resolutions for you to participate in, for you to make some changes in your life in the coming year. Let me suggest that you begin by following the instructions of God in Genesis 1. First, make love. Two, eat food. And third, take care of your pets. Sounds like a plan? Sounds like something you want to do in 2016? (laughs) I think so too. So get out there and enjoy life the way God intended. So that's a good way to end out the year, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought so. And uh, we got more to come. We're going to be picking up in the new year with Genesis chapter 2, verses 1. It's the seventh day of the creation week. We end the day that God rested. I really hope that the coming year is a year of rest for you. And I think it will be. If you sort of forget some of the religious obligations and rules and requirements that often get laid on us and simply follow God, follow Jesus where he is leading you. And we see right here that where he is leading us is into life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I think what we see here in the end of Genesis chapter 1 is how we can have this life to the full. I believe that if you follow these three steps, these three activities, you're going to enjoy the coming year more than you might have enjoyed this past year. At least that's my hope and prayer for you. Hope you found today's episode encouraging, instructful, insightful, maybe even a little entertaining. If so, would you go ahead and leave a rating and review on iTunes? I'd really appreciate it. And uh, share this podcast with some friends or family by uh, sending them an email or something. That is a great way to to say thank you for, for what you're learning in this show as well. Really appreciate you listening to this t- first 21 episodes of the One Verse Podcast. And I'm looking forward to another, what, 52 in the coming year as we continue to look at Genesis chapter 2. And then we'll see where the road takes us from there. Thank you very much. Have a great new year. We'll see you in 2016.